0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: Our next guest added um, something that now we both have in common. I believe it was over the weekend, potentially, maybe earlier this week. Um, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is with us. Steven, I'll never forget um, the day when Kelly Tilly, the head of the Colts cheerleading program, asked me to be a judge uh, for the Colts cheerleading squad. And I looked at her like, do you have the wrong person? Um, I I was dumbfounded by that move by her. And I'll never forget also like when we'd gather in the room to discuss the potential candidates and thinking, when do I interject, and what the hell should I say? Uh, was was it equally as awkward for you as it was for me?
0: <laughs> yeah, because at first I was like, wait a minute. You know I don't know what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're fine with that. Oh, so basically you're saying I'm a complete idiot, but you're good with that. All right, well, thanks. Um, no, but it was definitely uh, surprising for sure, and it was actually – kind of stressful because it was hard I was like I like them all they're yeah, all
2: good
1: there's not a lot I don't know if you can compare it to the Colts quarterback See, process I'd, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it, the, there's a lot of separation uh,
2: I, I'd be Simon Cowell I, I'd be up there like what, what are we doing here what, what are we doing here you, you, you sidestepped too much to the left there What, what what's going on
0: <laughs> the, I mean there were there were really I think out of 46 candidates uh there were only like two or three where I was like nah nah that's that's not the one and the rest of was kind of like yeah i could see it totally and then there were uh, a handful where i was like oh yeah she's off the charts she's good and, and you know so that's basically what i what i ended up with was which was all right 90% of you are good in my book so uh, but they can't all make it so it's tough
1: and it's also like a huge deal i mean uh, maybe i'm stating yeah. the obvious there but like obviously yeah. you imagine you know your whole life is spent doing some sort of whatever, cheerleading, dance, however you want to call it, and you're trying to make an NFL team. Um, Boy, the the emotions, I was like, gosh, this is way too much responsibility for me. I need to go home and, and, you know, think about myself after this.
0: No, I I think that's something that that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, appreciate is the fact that it is a big deal for these young women. And, you know, I, I think not just that it's a big deal, but also the fact that, you know, some of them, the sacrifices they are making or willing to make, you know, if they make the team. So I, had, there was one young woman who uh, was going to drive in for, from Chicago to, uh, to to perform, and I'm like, "You're going to do this every week?" <laughs> like, yeah, she was. Yeah. And,
1: and these I, are on top I, of normal jobs that they all have, oh, or yeah. you know, some some of them are still in school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah,
0: some some are pretty accomplished. You know, we had a couple of physicians, um, we a couple who were in dental school, and I was like. All right, I could barely like make it through, you know, you know, anatomy class in college, you know. So anyway, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive, and again, no idea why they called me, but um, yeah, I was I was more than happy, especially because some of the people on the panel, they're they are either a lot of them are either former Colts cheerleaders or have some expertise in dance, um, whether it's ballet or, you know, modern dance or something. And I was just sitting there like, um, uh, I write about football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I struggled I to do the
1: butterfly not, stretch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did not feel, uh, like I was in the right room.
2: <laughs> Steven, yesterday I was shopping and I'm in the store where I'm shopping. And all of a sudden the manager starts running around frantically and I'm like, what's going on? And she said, well, we can't figure it out. But the fire department's on the way because the alarms detect smoke and we don't know where it's coming from. And the fire the fire trucks rolled up. It was very exciting. And, in fact, it was like some sort of a faulty thing. But I thought, is this symbolic of the NFL draft and the fact that this is the time now where there's smoke all over the place that's being detected but there's no actual fire? And that includes this latest narrative that perhaps picks two and three aren't even going to be a quarterback and that the Colts are going to get – their choice of the second quarterback in the draft. Your thoughts on that smoke?
0: Okay, so I'm glad you asked. I I do think there is smoke here. I think it's I think it's a lot of I think some of it is is along the lines of what you are describing. However however I heard something yesterday afternoon that kinda changed my opinion on Houston in particular. And whether they might do what is being speculated, which is not pick C.J. Stroud or pick another uh, pick another position even um, outside of quarterback, I heard some some evidence, or I heard I heard a supporting argument for that that actually made some sense. And and I think there's some possible truth to it. Let's put it that way. I don't even want to say the argument makes sense because I disagree. I think they should take a quarterback because I think their franchise doesn't really have any direction right now, but be that as it may, that's not the point. The point is, would they possibly do what is being speculated? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, look, I get that there is a lot of smoke right now, but uh, there are some, the people who are saying this, this is the other thing that's important here. The people who are saying this are reputable and, and look, we all, you know, Adam Schefter is not infallible, but when I hear Adam, and he's not the only one, but I hear Adam go on TV and go to the mat on this and say, listen, I'm telling you, do not rule this out. It's because someone with some validity and probably multiple people are telling him that. So as much as I can't believe it, and as much as I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Houston would do that, it doesn't matter. I think there's some chance that it's true. Uh, and and again he's not the only one and I heard from someone yesterday who also reflected that information and I I was flabbergasted but again I think there's some truth to it don't ask me why I can't help you with that but that's what I can tell you
1: okay let's play out this sort of scenario then Steven Will Anderson goes to to Houston I mean by all accounts this is a guy that could be a double-digit sack guy for a decade. I mean, I, I, I right. can understand some of that thinking for D'Amico Ryans. What yeah, I can't really... Coach. Yeah, defensive Yeah. What, what I can't really understand is an Arizona at three sitting there and making a selection with a player that I don't think we've talked about any player in this draft process, non quarterback wise, that necessarily is a slam dunk to go in the top five outside of Anderson. You know, I, yes, Tyree Wilson from Texas tech is, you know, potentially there's some corners that might be in that range, but there's not a left tackle. There's not a whiteout. There's not this obvious name that we've talked about through this process. So my question then becomes, isn't someone going to trade up to get C.J. Stroud? Like, what am I missing on C.J. Stroud right now that all of a sudden could take him all the way down to number four and the Colts could have Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis all to pick from?
0: Well, now that's where I, that's where I, I actually do agree that, that it's nonsense. <laughs> okay, because if you're Arizona, at that point, I'm just taking whatever I can get in for in a trade because – they're, they have no incentive to make that pick because who would it be, as you said, right? I mean, not that they, it's not as if they don't need the talent, right? They definitely have a deficiency of talent, but they're not winning anything this year. They need multiple players. And for them, the move is trade down, get multiple picks and go restock your roster and and, and replace the players who are who all apparently want out of Arizona because apparently everyone wants out of Arizona right so they're gonna have some they're gonna have some some key players to replace here the way they're going my so I agree with that I I don't understand what motivation Arizona would have uh, under that scenario to make the pick because Will Anderson I get it they're gonna run and turn the card in If, if they don't have any takers I'm running to the to the podium to, to turn the card in for Will Anderson if you're Arizona, right? You're, you're going to be fine with that. You'll sleep fine on um, next Thursday night. But if it's not him, I, I don't know who, where they go. Uh, then it does feel like you're kind of settling because I think the the drop-off does seem somewhat significant after that in terms of the non-quarterbacks, right? Unless, you, unless you're just okay with Jalen Carter, and I can't say where things stand with him. There's just so much uh, to that situation. So it's, it's interesting. I do think the Arizona, the Arizona scenario gets really interesting there. If, if CJ Stroud does not go to Houston.
1: Again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Let's focus on Stroud here. Um, you know, by all accounts, the most accurate quarterback in this draft, we saw what he did against Georgia in the national semifinal. Um, where is the nitpicking that's starting to build here? Is it that it was too easy for him at Ohio State? Too much of a talent advantage he had on a routine basis? Are there questions about his coachability? Have you heard anything on the Stroud front that could all of a sudden kind of remove him from the 1A, 1B sort of thought process we've had all along with Bryce Young?
0: The the only thing, the only thing that's been kind of speculated that I that that maybe there's some validity to that I know is I I think people are asking maybe about coachability. Now I don't know anything about it personally. Right. So I'm not going to speculate. I I do not know that, but uh, that is, if that is a question. Okay. If, if that is a question, then that is a question you really have to vet when it comes to your quarterback for obvious reasons. Right. So I just can't speak to it personally, because I don't have that information and I don't have that Intel, but but if that's an issue, then I, I somewhat get it. But I would say this, when it comes to the fit from a football perspective, now let's just play this out, as you said, if he were to get to number four, right? And I have no idea whether that's going to happen. I think it's a little bit far-fetched, but, but not out of the question. If he gets to number four, I love the fit for the Colts. And I, I know that's kind of obvious. People know that he's really talented. But I mean specifically for the Colts, he gives you, you know, we talk about Anthony Richardson's downfield ability, but but you get that to some degree with C.J. Stroud, and you also get the the intermediate and uh, short-range accuracy as well. Uh, he, you know, I think his, his pocket presence, I guess, at times could be better, and, and he certainly isn't the athlete that some of these other guys are. He's probably of the four Probably the, the least impressive athlete, and so so that's something you'd have to you'd have to get your head around that if you're the Colts, and, and you'd have to determine how important that is to you. But in terms of uh, being the, the kind of quarterback that Shane Steichen wants, he wants to be he wants to have an aggressive downfield, up tempo attack. I mean, you can get that with C.J. Stroud.
2: You know, I was thinking about this, Stephen. Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. You can read his work, of course, at ESPN.com covering the Colts in the NFL. I've also heard, Stephen, we played some audio yesterday, I believe, from Michael Lombardi talking about question marks of C.J. Stroud's coachability. I know nothing of that. I'm not at practices at Ohio State or wherever it may be. Right. But I got to thinking about this, Stephen. If there are league-wide question marks about the coachability of C.J. Stroud, then theoretically that means that critique would be coming from inquiry from his coaches. The only person that would be able to speak to the coachability of C.J. Stroud would be people who have been assigned the responsibility of coaching him, right? That's a
0: fair assessment, yeah. So,
2: So if I am, and I'm not saying this to pick on Ohio State, But how uncoachable must a guy be to have that narrative floating about him because it's in the best interest of Ohio State to speak him up because if I'm a kid that's coming out right now that's a big-time recruit and I'm looking at where to go and I'm going, wait a minute, here's a guy that's leaving Ohio State and his coaches are actually hurting his NFL value by speaking about him. I don't want to go play for that that group.
0: So where would it be coming from? I think your guess is pretty reasonable. Let's put it that way, right? I mean, neither of us have have had that conversation, so I can't speak to it personally, and I know that you are not speaking to it personally. But it has to emanate from somewhere, okay? Because wouldn't it be in Ohio State's best interest
2: to have him go as high as possible?
0: Yes, I agree with that, yes. Uh, they're, they're also, and this is getting into real speculative territory, right? But there there also is the idea that the, these coaches also want to have credibility with NFL teams. You know, they have lots of other prospects, and they will have prospects every year. Um, they also have relationships. Some of these coaches want to work in the NFL at some point, right? So there's there's all little tentacles to this this idea and some of these notions that, that we can at least consider. But I agree on the whole, right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense necessarily, you know, at a glance, I get it. But if you drill down a little bit, you could see some, some ways where there there might be some, there might be some methods of, or, or motivations, put it that way. There might be some motivations um, where people might be more honest. So, you know, we'll see.
1: Steven, last one for me. Um, How much do you think this draft should be about you support the quarterback at all costs, like second, third round, fourth round? I mean, if you look at Andrew Luck uh, after that draft, it's well-documented, you know, all the offensive picks they made. I mean, hell, even if you go back to the Peyton Manning draft, um, there are a lot of offensive picks made right after the selection of Manning. You know, if you look purely at the Colts roster, corner is a massive need. But how much do you juggle – Yes, you really need a cornerback, and a cornerback is a premium position. But you also need to go all in on fully supporting your your young QB.
0: No, I actually, I actually like that idea of really doubling down on this QB. Uh, I, I think you can get that corner next year if you if you end up having to do that, right? I mean, are, are the Colts are the Colts winning the Super Bowl this year? Hell no, right? So so this should be about the quarterback because. You want to know in a couple of years, you want to know what you have. And the only way you're truly gonna know that is if you do right by this quarterback. That is what I believe. And and it's interesting, you mentioned the 2012 draft. It's something that we don't give enough credit for to Ryan Grigson. He figured that out. And to his credit, he actually went all in on Andrew Luck. He bet on Andrew Luck in that draft. Now Andrew Luck versus RG3, I will always say, was a Jim Ursay decision ultimately. Ultimately, right? doesn't mean everybody else wasn't on board. But even if you take that decision out of Ryan Grigson's hands, they still went and got T.Y. Hilton and the tight ends. and, and They did a great job of betting on the quarterback and, and going all in and doubling down on his talents. Maybe they're not getting Andrew Luck in this particular draft. I don't know, but but whoever they get, they need to maximize the opportunity and potential for that player to succeed, and that is how you do it. And frankly, this team under Chris Ballard has not done right by the quarterback in many instances, I feel. Last year being the latest example. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, it's time for that to change. That is, I think, that has been Chris Ballard's, I think, biggest blind spot is is thinking that the quarterback or almost – almost operating like the quarterback um functions in a vacuum and, and that it's not all interwoven right it is it's completely interwoven and they're dependent on one another you can't you can't skate by at right guard and think there's no impact on the quarterback just for an example Steven,
2: this draft the Colts have how many picks
0: um i, I believe it's I believe it's is it seven, Kevin? I can't that's remember. Three in round yeah.
1: five, none in six, two and seven, so maybe nine,
0: eight. Oh, that's right. Like that. I forgot about that. Yes, okay.
2: Right. So the question that I have for you, Stephen Holder, would be this. We know theoretically, and unless something seismic happens, that with their first pick, they're going to go quarterback. How deep into the draft then do you believe you get to where they shift from – like need, and strictly Mm -hmm. into the best player available at that spot? Or do they have critical needs that are going to run for them all the way through the draft?
0: Yeah, well, I think we can go back to their history. I think Chris Ballard's history in this area, it's a good question. And I think if you look at how he has operated, I think the answer is relatively clear. They definitely target needs. I think through round four generally, and sometimes it, it may be three. Sometimes it might be five, but roughly round four. I mean, look at last year. Let's see. What was, they went with, they had a, they had a tight end and the tackle in the third round. So, I mean, those were needs, right? So I think well into the third round, they were, they were still picking needs. They've done it into the fourth as well. I think the fourth round is roughly where you're talking about. And, and, and it's worked for them, I will say, because on the back half of the draft, what they do is they just they just pick, you know, their type of athlete, you know, the type of athletes that they prefer that the Colts tend to to lean toward. They pick them in the, the back half of those rounds, you know, at positions where they could use some depth. And sometimes it's not a position where they need depth. It's just a really good player they like. And that has worked out. And I, I think if you're you're targeting needs in the back half in those later rounds, it gets problematic because those are imperfect players, which tells me they are probably unlikely to contribute right away. Sometimes they do. Rodney Thomas did that last year uh, as a seventh-round pick. But that typically doesn't happen unless you get lucky. So you're looking there for players you can develop. And if you're doing a good job of developing them, they will play, you know, within a few years. But in terms of day one impact, that's going to have to come from those first three rounds, maybe fourth round, anything beyond that, you got a little bit lucky.
1: And Steven Holder casting for bring it on seven, I believe is what um, he was doing over the <laughs> weekend right. in, uh cheerleader yeah, auditions for the Colts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Beating me out for that role there. No ill will <laughs> against them. Uh, Steven, we'll see you later
0: today up at the complex. All right, guys, it's a tough job, but you know, <laughs> that's <do> right. <laughs> right. Exactly.